Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. Recently, I came across a study on thoroughbred racing that compared barefoot, aluminum shoes, steel shoes, and glue-on shoes, and their effect on breakover duration. I thought it was pretty interesting, so I reached out to one of the researchers on the project, Dr. Kate Horan, to see if she would be interested in chatting with me about it. Dr. Horan works for the Royal Veterinary College as a postdoctoral research assistant, carrying out research on a horse race betting levy board grant titled SAFER, or Shoe Assessment for Equine Racing, in the Structure and Motion Laboratory. She's also branched off into other biomechanics and movement-related research, and I thought she'd be a great one to chat with me about this. All right. Um, so my first question is maybe a loaded question, but how did you become interested in biomechanics? Yeah, so my background's a bit mixed, really. I originally started in natural sciences and specialized in geology, but then I started taking a course in equine science through the University of Edinburgh, a master's course. And that really inspired me to learn more about equine science and to also be more actively involved in equine research. And in particular, I really enjoyed the biomechanics lectures within that course. And then a job came up at the Royal Veterinary College in the UK looking at uh, the biomechanics of racehorses and also how different shoes and surfaces influence their biomechanics. So that's kind of how I eventually ended up working at a veterinary school, despite originally studying geology. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today, because I came across one of your studies about breakover duration. And obviously, you know, there's a wide audience that listens to this podcast, so some might not know what that is. So if you'd be willing to maybe talk about what is breakover and why is it important? Yeah, so that's a really good question because I think breakover, the the term is used quite differently by different types of people. So, for example, some farriers might use breakover to define a specific point on the shoe, like the point of breakover. And other people tend to refer to it as uh, other farriers or veterinarians might refer to it as a time period taken for the hoof to rotate. Um, So, for example, for the solar surface of the hoof to rotate through approximately 90 degrees until it is lifted off of the surface. So it's it's the push-off phase of the hoof. And when we looked at it, I defined it as being a 90-degree angle and looked at the time taken for the hoof to rotate through 90 degrees um, during the pulsive stage of the stride cycle. So a sort of rate um, rate of time and the rate for the hoof to push off. And so why, you know, what made you want to look at this? Why is breakover important for, you know, the average horse owner or farrier? Yeah, so I think understanding breakover is important because breakover is reflected in the pulsive stage of the stride cycle. So having an effective breakover means an effective push-off. So it, it is relevant for the efficiency of the horse's locomotion. So that in turn has relevance for their performance, but also it, it's relevant for injury. So you want to have an efficient gait cycle to be able to minimise the risk of musculoskeletal injuries, for example, due to imbalances during the movement. So it's, it's important for both the horse's performance and also the likelihood of injury potentially as well. And just the general welfare of the horse and what we're asking of them is important. And it's particularly interesting, I think, for racehorses, 
because of their hoof conformation. So they typically have sort of a low heel, flatter hoof conformation. So understanding breakover in this type of horse is particularly interesting because of the lever arms involved. Yeah. And I think more and more attention has been brought to break over, especially, you know, that I've noticed in the recent years, just from farriers, like Facebook groups and Facebook pages, I've seen a lot more talk about it. So this is really great that you actually studied it. So I was wondering if you could Mm. talk a little bit about the study and what you did and how you conducted it. Yeah. So, um, We worked with the British Racing School over here uh, in the UK, which is situated in Newmarket. And the racing school were great because they allowed us to stick sensors and equipment on the horse's hooves to be able to track the motions of those. So we looked at breakover, but we also looked at things like um, the acceleration patterns of the hooves. And we did this in different shoeing conditions on two surfaces. So the shoeing conditions that we looked at were the barefoot hoof, aluminium shoes, Um, steel shoes and also glue shoes which are an aluminium and rubber composite shoe and we trialed these shoes in these uh, racehorses from the British Racing School on both artificial racing tracks and also on turf surfaces and to look at breakover specifically what we did was we set up high-speed video cameras so we set up four cameras in a line which filmed the horses from the right-hand side And the field of view of these cameras was about 15 metres, which meant that in every galloping trial, we're capturing at least one hoof strike per limb per trial. Often we'd get um, two full gallop stride cycles within that field of view, just depending on how fast the horse was galloping. There was a bit of a range in speeds that the horses galloped at. And then on the lateral aspect of the hooves on the right-hand side, we stuck these little marker sticks on the hooves. And the reason for this was because as the hoof lands, it sinks into the surface and particularly on the artificial surface, it can sink quite far and it can be difficult to see exactly what the hoof is doing after it's landed. So with these little sticks on the side, we could track that movement of the hoof more easily. And also there was a grass verge, so it was was obscuring the view if we didn't have these sticks on the sides of the hoof. So what what I then did was I filmed the hooves of the horses as they galloped past. um, And this was slow motion video footage. So we filmed at a thousand frames per second. I then tracked the time taken for the marker one to rotate through an angle of 90 degrees. And I did this for each of the eight possible shoe surface conditions. So the four, there were four shoe types and two surfaces. And I evaluated whether it took longer or shorter time periods for the hoof to break over depending on the surface or on the shoeing condition. Yeah. And so it was all different horses in different kind of shoe setups? Yes. There were 14 horses involved and there were eight different shoe and surface combinations. So the barefoot aluminium steel and glue shoe were the shoe types and there were two surfaces on which each of those were trialed. And wherever possible, we tried to trial those eight possible combinations in all of the horses. However, there were some restrictions. And um, for example, the turf surface gets really quite hard because it, it's on chalk in Newmarket and that drains very quickly. So the surface is sometimes, particularly in the summer, too hard. They don't allow the horses to gallop on that surface. That meant that not all horses did as many trials on turf. There was also one horse that died during the study for unrelated reasons and also one moved on and some of the jockeys also left 
So there were some reasons why not every horse completed every shoe surface combination, but wherever possible, we did try to make sure that happened. Okay. So what? So they were kind of their own control. Like they all got to experience each, well, almost all of them got to experience each setup. Absolutely. And we also kept the horse and jockey pairings fixed across trials in case any particular feature of the horse or of the jockey, such as the age or the skill, influenced the results and could be a confounding factor. So we kept horse and jockey pairings constant and every combination, wherever possible, trialed all the different shoe and surface types. Oh, awesome. Okay. So you really thought about everything. It sounds like, yeah, that's great. We tried our best. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then I guess my follow-up question is, you know, what what factors did you find affected the breakover duration or what did you find in that study? Yeah, so we found that speed had an effect on breakover, which you might expect. Um, so at higher gallop speeds, breakover duration is reduced or breakover is quicker. Um, so that's logical. But one thing we found was that in the hind end, the breakover durations became proportionally quicker at the high gallop speeds. And I think part of the reason for this might be because the horses need to, well, so uh, one thing we hypothesized in the paper is that the breakover duration might be a proxy for weight distribution in the horse. So what we see at sort of mid gallop speeds is that the breakover duration is about equal in both the front and the hind end. And also there's been force plate studies that have shown that the front to hind limb loading distribution is also 50-50 around the mid-gallop speeds. But then what we're seeing is that at the top gallop speeds, breakover is faster in the hind end. And in other species, such as cheetahs and greyhounds, work has shown that they transfer a greater proportion of their weight to the hind end at their top speeds. And I think this is probably what is happening in the racehorses as well. So when they're at the top gallop speeds, by transferring more weight to the hind end, that increases the efficiency of the gait. If you rotate the toe faster into the surface, the accelerated force is perpendicular then to the solar surface um, if it rotates the toe into the surface quicker. And also it might be beneficial to have more loading on the hind end to increase grip. And that is a strategy that's been proposed in cheetahs and in greyhounds. The reason why they load their hind end more. Okay, yeah. Does that make yeah? And does so that, that help? Right, yeah. And so that's something that obviously the horse is doing, not like the rider is asking them to like shift their weight back or anything like that. Exactly, and I th- and that's something that I think is happening at the top speeds rather than at the lowest speeds. We're seeing less of a shift in the breakover durations. Well, they're more similar between the front and the hind end. And perhaps if that is a proxy for loading distribution, the loading is similar at those lower speeds. And another thing we found from our study with regards to the surface and shoe effects was that breakover duration was faster on the artificial surface. So that could fit with the idea that the toe is rotating into the surface faster in the artificial surface, perhaps because it's sinking well, it's landing more toe-in during landing and therefore is already partially rotated. I also think one of the key reasons why the artificial surface was associated with faster breakover is because it's springier and returning more energy to the hoof during the propulsive stage. So it's storing more energy on landing and then returning that energy later on. And the turf surface is also more irregular compared to the artificial surface, which the racing school are harrowing quite frequently. So on the turf surface, the hooves might be more likely to wobble about a bit, whereas on the artificial track, 
they might be more likely to pivot about the toe. So they land a bit more toe in and then also pivot about that toe quite nicely during the breakover period rather than side to side, which might also be an effect that would hasten breakover. And maybe also grip could be a, a factor here as well. So the jockeys commented that they perceived there to be better grip on the artificial surface. And I wonder if there's more grip associated with that surface, then maybe the horses are better able to push off. And that also could be one of the factors playing into why breakover was faster on um, the artificial track. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. And with regards to the shoeing condition, it was actually a bit, <laughs> the results were a bit more tricky to interpret. So the, the, it was only the non-leading hind limb of the horses that was influenced by shoeing condition. So that's the first leg to contact the ground surface during the galloping stride cycle. So after the suspension phase. So why that is, it could be that that leg is more involved in sort of the stabilisation process. After the aerial phase, the horses also, I think, spend slightly longer stance phase in that leg compared to the leading hind leg. And so, you know, the horse seems to have greater sensitivity on that leg to the shearing condition. And maybe there's some sort of proprioceptive feedback to the other legs, which explains why they don't necessarily seem to show a difference between shoeing condition in terms of breakover duration. And within the non-leading hind limb, the differences that we found were really associated with the barefoot condition. So what we found with the barefoot condition was that slow speeds, breakover was slower when the horses were barefoot compared to the shod conditions. But then when the horses were at the top gallop speeds that we studied in this in this project, the breakover durations were faster when the horses were barefoot. So we don't know exactly why this pattern is, but one possible reason is that the top gallop speeds in the barefoot condition, perhaps the hooves are better able to expand on landing and then return more energy to the hoof. So, so that acts to accelerate the breakover. But then why, why is breakover slower when the horses are barefoot at the slow speeds compared to the short conditions? Well, in the paper, we hypothesized that maybe it could be related to the shoe shape. So perhaps the beveled edges of the shoes do act to increase breakover. And that effect is important at slow speeds when the hooves are perhaps not expanding as much on landing. But then when you move to the top gallop speeds, this effect of being barefoot and allowing the hoof to expand more during impact is proportionally more important. Yeah, I was just going to ask that if there was a breakover built into the shoes. So not particularly in the sense that the, the, the shoes weren't, say, set back from the toe or really beveled on the edge. They were sort of standard shoes, shoe shapes, you know, fitted to the dorsal hoof wall. Do you know, um, sort of a standard fitting of the shoe, um, as far as I know. I'm not a farrier. Um, yeah, there was nothing unusual done to the shoes to make, break over faster intentionally. Yeah. And I think that is also a very personalized thing too. I know a lot of farriers who, you know, everyone has their sort of own style and, and way that they were taught. So yeah, I think that those listening, maybe all do different things with how they fit their shoes and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I should also add that we trimmed all of the horse's feet prior to the study so that they 
they were all starting from a similar hoof shape, if you like, as best as possible. So it wasn't like the case that some were at week six in the shoeing cycle and others were at week zero, in which case the you know there would be a lot more toe growth at week six and that could affect the breakover duration. We made sure as far as possible the horses' hoof shapes were consistent. Yeah. And also uh, for the horses themselves, this was important, you know, that we weren't trialing a glue shoe on the same horse and week one of its shoeing cycle. And then, then week five, we're trialing a steel shoe. We wanted the horse's hoof shape to be representative of the start of the shoeing cycle in each case. Right. That makes sense. So it must have been a fairly long, you know, period of time that you're working on this study to make sure that you kind of hit all those conditions. Yeah, so we started collecting data in 2018, sort of the end of 2018, 2019, and ran on until COVID, really, sort of March 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah, not not every day, obviously, like as, as much as we could get access to the racing school. So we're sort of restricted in some times, you know, depending on their jockey courses. But yeah, we're, we're going for quite a while collecting data. Yeah. And I guess this question is sort of for my own curiosity too, but did any other studies or have any other studies been started because of this one, like to sort of explore more about, you know, that the hind limb breakover and the the interesting things that you found because of it? So there has been a follow-up study related to this project overall, not specifically the breakover aspect, but so one aspect of this project looked at the center of mass movements of the horses and jockeys. So we'd fitted um, inertial sensors onto the horse's girth um, and also onto the jockey's pelvis. And what they do is they measure acceleration and allow us to then quantify the amount of displacement of the horse and jockey. And we looked at that in the different shoe and surface combinations during this project. But then as a follow-up study, we have been funded by the Horse Race Betting Levy Board to look at in more detail the relationship between the horses' movements and the jockeys' movements. And we're looking at this in trot at the moment, um, but with more sensors. So we're sticking on about nine inertial sensors now across the horse's body and also three on the rider. So we can explore in a bit more detail how the rider seating position and also the horse's body movements on different surfaces all play in. So how the two are coordinated, if you like. And as part of that study, we have used sensors on the hooves of the horses, which do quantify breakover and also other aspects of the stride cycle, such as stride length and and slip and things like this. So, yeah, it's led on to other projects. And I'm sure there'll be other work that will sort of build upon this, hopefully moving forwards. Yeah. And I'll definitely be on the lookout for that because this is really interesting to me, especially as a hoof care provider, just to learn more about what affects, you know, the horse's movement. And I mean, obviously it's not always the hoof care. Like you said, it can be the rider and things like that. So there's a lot that we have to learn still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think surface testing as well is something that we wanted to do more of. And I think we'll build on moving forwards as well. Yeah. You know, monitoring, say, the racetrack surface over time, how its properties change it and how that links with injury occurrence, I think is important. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And I guess so my last question that I had, and this might be kind of a tricky one, but what does this mean? Like, is there anything we can take from this that we can use in our practical approaches to hoof care for our own horses? Yeah. So I think knowing that, for example, an artificial surface returns more 
is or appears to return more energy to the hoof and aid a faster breakover duration, that could be quite relevant for performance. Also, the fact that the non-leading hind limb is sensitive to shearing condition could mean that trainers and farriers and people thinking of implementing new shoe types within the racing industry might want to pay particular attention to that limb if they're considering changing a shoeing condition. And particularly so on turns, you know, where the horse is perhaps more likely to experience an imbalance or slip of a hoof beyond sort of normal slip during the stride cycle. So, yeah, particularly focusing on that limb might be important if you're thinking of changing a shoeing condition. And also bearing in mind that surface conditions do change over even the course of a day. So monitoring that and also almost more the properties of the surface rather than the surface type, if that makes sense. So the artificial surface in our study indicated X, Y, Z, but that artificial surface in itself does vary um, day to day, depending on how much moisture and it's contained, so it becomes more compacted. And that also is likely to be affecting the breakover durations as well. So thinking about surface conditions, how variable they are, and also perhaps paying attention to the non-leading hind limb in particular when changing a shoeing condition. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for being willing to answer all my questions and sort of, you know, let me catch you off guard a little bit with some ones that I hadn't even had planned. (laughs) Yeah, that's no problem. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. This was really cool. Okay, fab. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Have a great rest of your day. You as well. Bye. Bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.